I've decided what to do with my life. I want to be a cleaner. I've seen it all. I want you to teach me how to be like you. I need this land. So Change ain't good, Leo. I like these calm little moments before the storm. Bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Everyone! You were taken out. Hi, I'm Deke Antrim, and this is Sidetracked, a podcast for movie lovers. On today's show, we're taking a look back at 1994's Leon, or as it's known here in the States, The Professional. Around 2004, its title was officially changed to Leon, colon, The Professional. The story of a hitman who takes a recently orphaned 12-year-old girl under his wing to train her in the art of assassination so she can reap revenge on her four-year-old brother's killer, the corrupt DEA agent Norman Stansfield. Written and directed by Luc Besson, starring Jean Renault, Gary Oldman, and in her first movie role ever, the amazing Natalie Portman. Here to help me clear up this confusion and possibly add a little bit of his own is my co-host, Ben Toussaint. Ben, how you doing today? Oh, co-host. Yeah. I'm doing great. Been yeah. upgraded. Thank you. All right, so just to explain, this episode is a follow-up to a previous podcast Ben and I did called Fatal Femmes. If you want the full effect of this episode, I recommend to anyone to go back and listen to our discussion on that podcast. There may be a few overlapping details discussed, so bear with us a bit, but in that episode, we covered the movie at Nikita, or as it's known here in the States, the Femme Nikita. Both Leon and Nikita are sprung from the imagination of Bassan, and both star Jean Renault as a cleaner a hitman with sunglasses who was sent in to remedy tough situations, sometimes with guns, sometimes with sulfuric acid, both processes being very effective. And before I ask you about this morning screening <laughs> of the integral version slash the international cut slash the director's cut, oh God, what was the question again? <laughs> talk to me about how you discovered this Lolita with guns story known to American audiences as the professional. Oh, Lolita with guns is a good way to put it. And I don't think it spawned from his imagination. I think it completely exhausted his imagination. The first time I watched it, I think it was with my dad. It was probably like 15 years ago. Okay. Um, I remember being young, watching a movie like this, thinking like, maybe I shouldn't be watching this. Mm -hmm. But there was a young person in it. I remember being, this is like the distinctive action movie with a child in it. Right. I told this story on the other podcast, but I'll explain it a little bit again. I was a huge fan of Nikita. That was my first foreign film. From that point on, I always wanted to see anything that this director ever did again. And so I checked out The Grand Blue, which I loved. Have you seen that yet? I have not. Okay. No. There's an American version that's shorter called The Big Blue, but if you can seek out the extended cut or international cut or whatever it's called, which is called Le Grand Blue. It's got Jean Renault in it and it's got Rosanna Arquette. Okay. It's a good movie. Okay. It's about free divers, people who can hold their breath and hold the records for deep you know, free that diving. Does sound a little bit it's familiar. fantastic. Yeah. It's very spiritual. Yeah. Okay. It's a good movie. So anyways, okay. I was very much in love with Luke Besson at the time. 
And also at the time, coincidentally, Gary Oldman was my favorite actor. So when I heard that those two were working together, I was all about it. So I went and saw The Professional in the theater. And I did like it, but it definitely wasn't on par with Le Grand Blue or La Femme Makita. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Felt very action-y to me. Felt like it was missing a heartbeat. That's what mm-hmm. I felt. Interesting. Yeah. And your opinion has changed or no? Since seeing the yeah. version we're going to discuss today. I see. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to, let's get it done. And this is The Professional. This is The Professional. Yes. Okay. And so I was working at a video That's store. Fair. Yeah. I remember working at a video store rental place at the time when The Professional came to video and I picked up the Laserdisc. I believe the tagline on either the Laserdisc or the poster we had hanging up in the store said, make speed look like a ride to grandma's house. That was the tagline for the home release. Throwing speed under the ground. Yeah, <laughs> under, under the its bus. own bus, yeah. <laughs> but um, oh, but so, yeah, I still picked it up, still enjoyed the film. And I want to say a couple months later, I was up at a Laserdisc store that I actually I ended up working there. But up at the front counter, they had this Laserdisc. That was a Japanese laser just with Japanese writing on it. And the title of the movie was Leon. And it had a picture of Jean Renault and Natalie Portman on the cover. And so I asked the guy over the counter and he said, this is called Leon. This is the European cut of the professional It's half an hour longer. And you got to understand back then they didn't have stuff like that. Your like, mind was blown. Yeah. Again, this was like. You this knew what like Europe my, was though, right? Like, I did, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, I was, okay, so I was, that was 95. I mean, I was 20. Back in those days, people were still doing VHS and they didn't have things like widescreen. They didn't have things like director's cuts and basically illegal. The cut of the film had really not been allowed in the United States, which is why it was an import from Japan. When I got the disc home, it had Japanese subtitles baked into the disc. Mm. So I was watching this movie with Japanese subtitles and was widescreen and it was an illegal cut. Would you say that you, in that moment, you were Matilda and that guy who sold it to you was Leon? Set you off on this trajectory to having your own home theater? (laughs) You're cleaning now. Well, yeah, now would, I'm Matilda. You're I cleaning would say me. I asked you to wait to watch the Leon yes. cut of The Professional. Correct. I asked you to save that for today's screening. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that from 95 to 2002, I'm 22, I'm sorry, I missed a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I'm still enjoying exclusive screenings of this movie to people who haven't seen it. I love being able to introduce Definitely. this cut because it has always represented for me a little bit of exclusivity. Like I think there's still people out there that don't know that there is a cut of the film that is now basically the right. extended cut. It, most people are probably just used to interchanging the titles. Right, at like Leon yeah. or The Professional. The international cut, mm-hmm. which is 26 minutes longer, has always had a huge place in my heart because, again, when I was that young, when I was 20, being able to, A, show a Laserdisc, which wasn't very common. People didn't know what that was. And then something that was widescreen with Japanese subtitles and they had never even heard of a director's cut and seen all this exclusive footage yet. It was a huge thing to me. Cool. I remember looking at the back cover, getting ready to when I was purchasing the disc. On the back, I had this quote from Luc Besson. It says, Leon's integral version has one unique goal, to spend more time with Leon and Matilda. Matilda is spelled incorrectly, by the way. Without the H? Without the H, which I want to bring up later on, by the way. To share more of their game, witness their passion, and experience their love. Best regards, Luc Besson. On. That really put the hooks in me too, because I was like, whoa, what is this? I couldn't wait to get it home. It's personal um, for him, for sure. Yeah. And again, I had never <clears throat> seen stuff like that before. And it's definitely a, a different movie. Let me ask you, now that you have seen the extended cut or whatever it's called, the director's cut or integral version or international cut, now that you've seen that as of five minutes ago, what is your thoughts? Are you familiar with professional? I think it's it's accurately cut? described from Luc Besson. You spend more time with Matilda and Leon. And you have me saying Leon now. Leon. Uh, 
I think we've already covered that. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> um, you do spend more time with them. Relationship is explored in a little bit more detail and more depth. And I think it's a revealing of the filmmaker as well. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. I mean, it, it, <laughs> there's no topics. I'll, I'll yeah, no, I, I've kind of explained to you already that it's like Bassan is living sort of vicariously through Leon. I, I, I feel woefully underqualified in the terms that I want to use. But like, <laughs> I think he imagines this character as sort of like an example of innocence who has gone off the wrong tracks. And in one of the deleted scenes, you find out why he's become a cleaner, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's not in the movie that I had seen. He's like this innocent character who finds a little girl who's at risk of becoming a violent, monstrous person and tries to preserve her innocence, even though, contradictorily, he is teaching her how to kill people. Let's go ahead and address the controversial aspects Please. of it. I won't dive into too much because I actually really like the man's art. We could do this on another podcast, but we are officially going to have to have a podcast where we can decipher if we can separate crimes of the artist, yeah. quote unquote, versus the art that they put out. If you can and can't separate that appreciation. So I, but, I'd like to think that I can. Okay, copy that. I think I'm getting to that point too. But so I would say Hassan has been in the paper for the wrong things sure. the past couple of years, but he has been cleared of some of the accounts that have been put against him. Sometimes some people might want to be able to look at any of his films and re-examine, oh, have oh, we seen natural. some of these signs yeah. over the past couple of years? And he's not the only filmmaker who leaves breadcrumbs. He wrote this movie based on a relationship that he had with one of his wives, an actress named Mai Wen, who plays the hooker in one of the opening sequences of the movie. And I just recently watched this movie again because I'm going back through all my Alex Ajaw films. But did you ever see High Tension, a French horror film? Uh -uh. She plays one of the main roles in that movie, too. We get chances. Tension. Yeah. Okay. I think it was the first Alex Ajaw film that was ever introduced to. I'll check it out. I think she at the time was like 15 and he was in his early 30s. And I think it's viewed a little differently over there or maybe not as frowned upon. I'm not sure. I can't speak to and that. And the time probably too. Yeah. Or maybe it's just people didn't talk about it. Yeah, maybe. No. Now, when you see a film like this where you see someone of a certain age coming in and becoming a knight in shining armor and swooping in and saving a younger female. There's some things you can probably parallel to reality and how he's just basically putting out a wish list of what's in his brain. I don't have such a bigger problem with that. If I was to microscope some nitpicks, I've always had a problem with this one insert shot, but there's a very beautiful scene where he takes this over the bed mm -hmm. shot of her just falling and collapsing like a snow angel in the bed cover. And she says, Leon, I think I'm falling in love with you. Or she spits up his milk again, a common right. recurring joke. And so he spits up his milk and he's like, how can you tell? She's like, I got this hole in my stomach. He could have just stayed on that overhead shot and kept pushing into a closer shot of her face, which is where we need to end the scene at. When she talks about her stomach, he inserts just a stomach. You wonder when her hands are going to stop going Yeah, down. it's like, it's, I'm like, what's the insert shot for? I, I, I know where the stomach is. You don't need to take a shot of a young girl's right. stomach. She's got an open shirt here, so it's kind of cleavage-y. And it's, well, what are we doing here with this insert shot? So I don't need that stuff. That stuff. You're walking I, on an eggshells with that shot. Uh, yeah. It's, Sell me on why that shot was important versus just a nice push in to where the scene needs to end, which is on a close-up right. of her face. And she's an expressive actress. Like an ex yeah. Even at that age, yeah. she what can express I don't need a emotions of their face. a 12-year-old's tummy. <laughs> yeah. So fucking weird. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about with Bassan as far as like uh, the content? You know, I think it all goes... By now, people know or they, they want yeah. to know more, they look it up. Copy that. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Just to set the scene, in 1994, some of the action movies we had were Speed, as mentioned before, Natural Born Killers, The Crow, which I love. Okay. We also had movies like Stargate, River Wild, Street Fighter, The Next Karate Kid, The Specialist, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and Double Dragon. 
This is the year that Forrest Gump won Best Picture at the Oscars and Pulp Fiction took home the Palme d'Or for the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, those are tough to beat. Yeah. Um, the budget was $16 million, came home with $46 million at the box office. Pretty, Pretty good. good return. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've talked about the Caesar Awards back when we were talking about Nikita. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Music, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, and Best Sound. Didn't win any. But of course. A always a prize man. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you read this, but this was a side project while waiting for Bruce Willis' schedule to free up for Fifth I Element. did read that. Yeah. yeah. We talk a lot on this podcast about I think you know, done sometimes in the interim that's, of that's other the, yeah, that's, what, that's like the best time to do it yeah. is when you got your hands full with something else and you can kind of just clear your palate and do something. And you know the time is a restriction and you kind yeah. of just what, – what matters, what doesn't. Looking at this new longer, darker cut mm-hmm. of this film, if he is in fifth element mode and he's just waiting for a schedule to clear up, he writes this movie in less than a month – this movie is completely darker than the very colorful, comedic, and happy ending of yeah. Fifth Element. That's a complete mind switch, I think. I think that's fair. All right, we're about to go comb through the film, but before we do that, let's discuss some cast and crew quickly, starting with Bassan. Ben, I know you do this often for our recordings, but did you get into Luke Bassan mode for this podcast? Not as much as Nikita. Not as much, okay. And I think because I have already seen this movie versus Nikita, I hadn't heard of it until you told me about mm-hmm. it. I've seen this movie a, a couple times previously to mm-hmm. like, you know, studying it for this podcast. This is my third time since gotcha. we decided we were going to talk about it. Okay. So. How familiar with the Besson's career are you? I know he did that one movie with a thousand planets or whatever. And I was just oh, like, Valerian. This, yeah, this looks oh, like garbage. My God. Was... <laughs> I, I had seen The Professional before and I, I liked it a lot. And Nikita, I think, is his best. What's your thoughts on Fifth Element? You know, it's fun. It's cool. I haven't watched that since I was maybe like 16 or 17. Yeah. I remember it was cool, but not even in the top five Bruce Willis movies. It gets half as much right as it does wrong. Right. I'll admit, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Chris Tucker. Like, I don't gotcha. think he's that funny. I, the uh, Rush Hour movies were not my thing. And Fifth Element kind of felt like an extension of that, his time in comedy. I hated his performance in Fifth Element the first couple of times I saw it. and mm-hmm. But it's come to reality so much that now I have to appreciate the genius of that role because that is how a lot of people on social media act now. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of sad. Like, I yeah, remember thinking, fair. like, the first couple of times I watched I'm like, that is so friggin' over the top. There's no way anyone would ever act like that. Like, are. how dare he <laughs> do that so over the top? It's It doesn't even fit with the rest of the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I watched it in the past year. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm watching the, half a social media act like he this. He hit the nail on the head for sure. Yeah. yeah. So and, I have to appreciate that. Yeah. And not to rag on Chris Tucker. I love Friday. That movie gotcha, was, was yeah. really funny. I love so. uh, Jackie Brown. Yeah. I think we love you, Chris Disappeared. Tucker. Yeah, wherever you're at. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's done anything better than Leon. I think Leon was his peak as far as movie director performance. Okay, that's fair. I think you could switch out Leon or Nikita, either one. He has been slowly going downhill since. He did The Messenger after that mm-hmm. and when he was married to Mila Jovovich, and I thought that sucked. He's more of a producer now. He throws a lot of his scripts to friends of his. He's famous for making the, the Taken series. That's all his brainchild. Oh, God. I do give him a little bit of respect. He's in the ranks of Rodriguez and Soderbergh because he operates his own camera, which I always appreciate. I did watch Anna. I like it. Do you like that movie? It was all right. I, had, I thought it had some pretty good action scenes in it. Yeah. It reminded me of the Red Sparrow. Yeah. Which was another, it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. All right. So how familiar are you with Jean Renault? This was the only movie I'd ever recognized him by until I watched Nikita and thought, holy shit, I remember, I know that guy. 
He was born in Morocco as Juan Moreno y Herrera Jimenez. He's worked with Bassan on multiple films, including Subway, La Denaire Combat, which is The Last Battle, Le Grand Blue, which is The Big Blue, and La Femme Nikita, which is Nikita. And a fun fact, he is the voice of Mufasa in the French version of Lion King. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, have you seen Ronin? No. Ah, oh, dude, you got to see that. Really? Yeah. Why? So it's directed by John Frankenheimer, written, uh-huh. written by David Mamet. Okay. And it's him. I love John Frankenheimer already. Okay. So okay. So me. so this has the best car chase sequence of all time. Okay. Yeah. Like I know everyone I'm says bold. French Connection, but it's Ronin actually. Okay. And there's actually two very good car chase sequences in there. And the second one is the shit. And it's De Niro and Jean Renault chasing after Skarsgård. Okay. And it's got Natasha McElhorn from Truman Show with Jim Carrey, yeah. the Irish actress. Okay. And what's his name from Brazil, the star of Brazil? Jonathan Price. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's super good. But it's a great movie. You got to see yeah. it. We should do a John Frankenheimer podcast. Oh, I'm so down for Have that. Have you seen Seconds yet? No, but oh, I bought it God. because you told me to. It's so fucking good. But you've got to see Ronan. All right, I'll do... You, yeah, you, you have know, to do Ronan. I'll watch Ronan. Oh, uh, Michael, uh, Sean Bean's in there. Yeah, it's like, it's a great cast, man. And there's a, the... Uh, Game of Thrones connection too. There you go. Um, so what did you think of his performance as the emotionally vacant human? He wanted to make it a childlike persona to kind of sure. match her mentality. Because it's funny that she's 12, but she acts more mature. He's whatever that, he ages. Their like, dichotomy well. yeah. is, is the most interesting Mentally, part of their relationship. Yeah. In this cut that we just watched, there's a line in there that is not in the version I had seen previously where she says, uh, I'm already grown up. I'm just getting older. Yeah. And he says, I'm old enough. I have to grow up. Mm-hmm. That kind of defines their relationship yeah, exactly. right there. And uh, I had just told you this after we finished screening that he reminds me a lot of Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. in the sense that he's kind of this innocent, dopey, unsexualized being, sort of like a cartoonish person who yeah. doesn't live in a world of evil or bad things. And he does his little shtick, like he murders people the way Charlie Chaplin does mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. skits and he's out. Childlike is the best way to describe him because he's not unemotional. It's just that they're not developed emotions. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has words for them. And I think it helps that he's illiterate. You know, he yeah. literally doesn't have words. I think this movie would have been scrutinized if he was totally mentally aware oh, of totally. what the situation was. It I would think. have seemed a lot more sinister yeah, for sure. or dirty. So giving him that persona. I remember the last time when we talked about Nikita, you mentioned how Jean Renault in this movie pre-moves his mouth based on what the words he's getting ready mm-hmm. to say. Yes. And once you pointed it out a couple months ago on that podcast, I've watched for that. I think it's great because it really kind of shows how out of sync he is with himself. Right. He's and never I think had that to really have, adds to the character. He's never had to talk to a child like this. Or anybody. Or, well, that's true. <laughs> he doesn't have to speak to yeah. anybody except for Danny like Aiello. Three, yeah, three words to old Tony and that's it. Old Tony, yeah. All right, so I want to go over Gary Oldman's career up until 1994. Mm. And you let me know which one of these you've seen. Oh, Jesus. All right. Sid and Nancy. No. Okay. You're going to be really disappointed. No, that's okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> State of Grace. No. Oh, man. JFK. That's the one with Kevin Costner? Yes. 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 Okay. What is he in that movie? I haven't seen that since college. Harvey Oswald. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a main character. <laughs> so, for all intents and purposes, let's say no. Must have le- left a lasting impression on you. God, yeah. uh, I was probably so stoned when I watched that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dracula. Yes. Yes. Uh, True Romance. Yes. Okay. Romeo's Bleeding? No. Okay. True Romance is funny because he has the dreadlocks in that movie mm-hmm. and uh, Willie Oneblood has yeah, it in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and according to lore, that's where 
he got that idea from. Sure. I'm much more familiar with him as from Harry Potter now. Oh, gotcha. uh, This is my favorite performance of his. No question. Yeah. No question. It's the one he's having the most fun with. It's his most enjoyable. It's everything that he does. It's the disheveled hair, the suit unbuttoned, Mm -hmm. the sweaty forehead. The way he eats his pills. The pill taking. It's how he plays the air piano. It's sniffing out people in an invasion of personal space on the dad and Matilda. It's the five o'clock shadow. The bingo. Mm -hmm. It's how he looks at everyone like they're beneath him. Before we move on, there's two little things I want to point out, even just like in that bathroom scene that we're going to examine a little later on. But he takes the pill, he washes his hands, then coughs right back into those same hands, coughs out phlegm, then wipes his mouth and nose with those hands, then grabs a paper towel to blow snot into, only to finish the entire process, wiping his hands with that same snotty towel. And that, of course, just gets crumpled up and tossed off to the side. I mean, like he is all over the fucking place. And that's just like 30 seconds of his performance. And then even like when he goes to unroll the paper towel dispenser, he goes counterclockwise first and then goes clockwise. You know he's done that scene multiple times before. He knows that it's clockwise. That's a conscious choice of his character. And how many times has he probably gone to that bathroom? If he works in that building, like he's probably been yeah, in that bathroom a hundred times. Yeah, he knows how to towels. He's blowing he's, snot. And he's thinking about intimidating this little girl and like. And he's all over the place because crazy. he took that pill and well, I love the chaos I, of that. I read something interesting about the pill. The pills are like yellow and green, mm-hmm. which I think at the time were the packaging for, I'm going to butcher this. It's like some kind of benzoine yeah. or something like that. And the people who take it are people who are trying to not to suffer from withdrawal symptoms. Correct. When I had first seen this movie, it never occurred to me that maybe he's a junkie. So the drug he takes is librarium. The drug directly affects the brain and central nervous system, producing a sense of calm oh, so in you the know user. About this. It works by enhancing the effects of the GABA, oh, a God. neurotransmitter in the body. So, yeah. Go on. That's it. <laughs> then you take Librarium <laughs> with your morning coffee. What's uh, what's the side effects? <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to call him out for his uh, bending the neck and cracking his neck. I thought uh, it was kind of cool. I love it. I kind of came up with this goofy backstory. I thought it'd be interesting that if he had become an addict to painkillers or something and was taking Librarium to get off of it, he would like re-engage the nerves that were hurting mm. him in his neck. And so he would know when the drugs are taking over once the pain got started oh, getting dulling. A little backstory I came up with myself. Damn, Don't know if any fiction. of that fucking makes Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm writing backstories of characters I had nothing to do with. But yeah, I think I, it's very plausible. I was like, well, why would he fucking do that? Well, I love this movie. Let me make up these fucking justifications. Yeah. And, oh, uh, and Natalie Portman, you know, I have to say, Hassan hasn't done better than Leon. Renault has never been more famous than okay. Leon. Be and, careful with what you're about to say. Well, hold on. And Gary Oldman, that's uh-huh. his best performance. Okay. But... Natalie Portman is the only one out of the entire okay. cast. <laughs> I thought you were about to drop <laughs> to go a bomb, on to but... bigger projects and better performances. I love her performance in this movie. Oh, she's fantastic! Yeah. yeah, she's my favorite actor working right now. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I yeah, can totally... is that why you were like, be careful? Well, oh, I thought dude, you were about I'm to say a, she's I'm, never I'm done part it better. Of the, the Natalie Portman fan club. <laughs> okay, dude. I thought you were about to add her to the list of people who've never no, done no, better no, than no. this. No, she's my favorite actor. working She's right fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Black Swan is the one that immediately comes to mind. I'd say that was probably my favorite role for her. Check out a movie called Vox Lux. It's a little fucking crazy. Vox Lux. Yeah, Vox. V-O-X-L-U-X. Okay. Um, All right, so Eric Sierra. We talked about this last time with Nikita. He's Bassan's go-to composer. He did the score for Grand Blue, Nikita, Fifth Element, Lucy. We also talked about how he did the score for Goldeneye. I like the score for Nikita the best. Yeah, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, because it felt like... 
sometimes whimsical, sometimes terrifying. Mm -hmm. I thought Leon's score was just a little bit better than Nikita. Okay. Any reason in particular? You know, I think this is the score that knows how to read the room. There's scenes later on that we're going to talk about again, going back to the bathroom sequence. Man, that's a fucking horror scene. That's got some bass notes and drones and keeping the tension going. And then it can go into these sequences where Natalie Portman and Jean Renault are playing with spray guns inside the apartment. And it's got these Italian accordions and it can flow right into beautiful scenes where Matilda's all by herself and walking through the city at night trying to find a place to live next. It can service the montage from scene to scene. Yeah, for sure. With the same score. It's pretty yeah, good. I, th- I thought this was his best. Yeah, okay. I like it. That's fair. You know I'm into vinyl collecting and I do all soundtracks for the most part. Leon was technically my first soundtrack. Interesting. Yeah, I bought a Goblin score that only had four songs and they were all from different movies that they had done. But my first official score was Leon's. Again, another first. Hey, so you got it up front there. Right up front. I just got done listening to it. Got to get into the zone, man. And that's right next to Elvis Presley, too. What an honor. <laughs> Did you see the trailer for Boz Lerman's? No. Yeah. I haven't. Okay. I'm not a Boz Lerman fan. I've been so. doing a lot of reading lately. I'm oh, hey. Good for yeah. you. You know, I can't do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Leo. Cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my excuse. I'm a hitman on the side. All right. Let's jump into some character setup. We're going to talk about the opposing forces of Leon and Stansfield. With Leon, we start off with a tight shot of the signature sunglasses from his cleaner series. And he slams down the milk with a big bass boom, joining the ranks of the great milk drinkers like Anton Shakur, mm-hmm. Hans Landa, and Alex from Clockwork Orange. Um, oh, yeah. All psychos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. When carrying out the first assignment, I love how when they're doing the walkie-talkies, the bad guys, somebody's coming up, somebody's Somebody serious. serious. Yeah. yeah, Are you familiar with the John Wick series? Yeah. Or Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga, yeah, whatever yeah, they're yeah. calling him. Like these like hitman ghost stories, you know? It's kind of funny. Yeah. I know my girlfriend watched this movie and she laughed when they did that. Yeah. Like, I mean, serious. it's a little over the top, but it kind of like sets the legend of what Leon it's is. It's character you know? building, It kind of gets you into it faster. That entire sequence where I think he's in the credits as the fat man with Leon coming out of the dark, holding a knife to him and getting him to talk on the phone with Terry Arbogast's lighting. I really like the look of this movie, but that whole opening scene is fantastic. It's a great introduction. I think they miss an opportunity for him to come down from the ceiling like ab crunch style. Because the whole movie, they're training ads. I know they're saving it for the end, but it would be funny if he's just like, comes down like Dracula or something. Dude, you're so funny. I never put together why he was doing so many damn sit-ups. He wanted that payoff at the end of the movie. That's the payoff, yeah. You're so funny. Yeah, yeah. Except that was just trying to stay in shape. Oh, also, and that's the scene that has I Wen. Yes. The the actress. And then let's talk about Stansfield's introduction. They set him up like this super villain. He's got his back turned to the camera. He's listening to the classical music and he's sniffing out the dad and they're talking about him like he's got a sixth sense and even Malky, his lead henchman is like super scared of him. A stylish way to introduce Stansfield. And then they drop the hammer on you when they find out he's actually the DEA officer. Yeah, exactly. Of course, Oldman improvised the sniffing actor, Michael Badalushi from Old Brother. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Old Brother? I have Oh man. I've so, seen him from something though. Uh, he's been in other stuff. He's been in Boardwalk Empire. But yeah, he didn't know that Gary Oldman was going to do that. was going to sniff him out. So God, oh, yeah, that's you can tell that's probably like really terrifying. Creepy. Yeah. <clears throat> Old Brother, we're out now. That's yeah. what he's in. Oh, yeah, brother, yeah. we're out there. That's what I was saying. Oh, I thought you said he was in something else. No, oh, brother, we're I said, oh, brother, without saying. Oh, maybe out, I didn't put two and two together. Sorry. Oh, so, yeah, he plays with the baby face. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. Oh, okay. okay, so now. So, I have seen him. I'll apologize. I won't shorten the title for Please don't, because you've seen way more movies than I have. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, brother. I think. Yeah, oh, brother's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, brother, where I die. I oh, remember that. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. So he yeah. played Babyface. Yeah. All right. So cool. It's not one of my favorite Cohen movies. So that's gotcha. Gotcha. I, I have fun with that one. one. I like the music in it. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Matilda, the ultimate damaged child. She's a 12 year old girl. She's got bruises on her face from supposedly falling off a bike. Right. She's already smoking cigarettes. Yeah. You know, she has to watch her sex worker mom and drug dealing abusive father have sex while her sister beats her up. And the very next scene, she tells the principal over the phone that she's dead. That way she doesn't have to attend school. I think it's funny that her mom is the lady from Little Shop of Horrors. The first time she talks to Leon, she's got a bloody nose from her dad hitting her. And she asks, is life always this hard or just when you're young? And Leon says, always this yeah, hard. Get used to it. Dude, like this poor girl, we're going to talk about it throughout the podcast, but this poor girl has seen some shit sure, up until sure. then, man. And, and honestly, it's the best policy. He doesn't know tact. We're no, going to get into that in like the very next That's scene. That's a good but, point. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't he, have But he answers like a child, people. honestly. He doesn't know he's offending her. That scene leads right into her flirting with him and then offering to go get milk. And she's dancing and twirling off to go get the milk. And the milk is technically what saves her life because that's when the mm-hmm. goons come to kill her entire family. All right, let's dive into the film. The introduction of Stansfield henchmen with the single dolly shot combined with Eric Sears' music. That was... Yes. That as they're killing. all kind of like entering the stairwell. I love it, man. Yeah. It's awesome. We've talked about this a little bit before, but this was the first time we see Gary Oldman do the famous pill popping. Right. Man, you know, he's... It sets he's, a mood. Oh, dude. A, a very specific... Yeah, for sure. You could tell that he's kind of thought of the scene up a little bit. Yeah, I do the same thing with my Flintstone vitamins, but they're gummies and it <laughs> doesn't look as cool when I do it. You get cornered by a nutcase god complex cop who is two feet away away from your face talking about his favorite composers after just murdering your entire family in a 30 second onslaught of your apartment how do you deal with that guy I guess, man yeah you kind of behave the same way that the father behaves if i have a shotgun hidden behind the curtains for oh, some man. reason you said it was a 30 second <laughs> onslaught but did you know that right before it happens there's that shot of the clock mm-hmm. it's in real time it's a, it well it takes exactly two minutes yeah that's crazy yeah, so we'll be there at noon I and the, the clock shows you 11 58 and it's two minute sequence later He's there. Anytime you have like these physicality type actors, we said tomorrow at noon, I have one pass and he snaps his finger. And the music stops. And the music stops. Yeah. That's Gary Oldman having fun with the character, but that's also Bassan knowing when to play the joke also. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They're having fun with that whole scene. That whole scene is violence and comedy. It's very all over the place. I mean, sure. he is shooting down little children, but then in the very next beat of that scene, there's comedic beats. Or the guy looking through the records. Yeah. As they're tossing the apartment. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You get a feeling that these people are not only monstrous, but they're comfortable in it. They've done it a hundred times. He goes after the dad for shooting a hole in his suit. Well, he plugs him exactly. six more times in the back and then reloads to go do it more. That's comedy. But at the same time, oh my God, that guy's raw meat. You get used to the violence and the comedy mixed together. By the end of the scene, it looks like the end of Taxi Driver. Sure. All these dead people, like a Travis Bixel, Bixel, uh, Travis Bixel. Bickle? Bickle. Why am I saying Bixel? I don't know. Travis Bickle murder scene. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, a Travis Bickle murder scene. And then it goes right into him shooting at the old lady. Mm-hmm. And he's still waving the gun like he said, go inside. And he goes to light his cigarette. And Malky dragging like, him drags in. him off. And like the cigarette lighter is like going all over the place and not getting close to the cigarette. Like that shit's all funny. The old lady's tough as nails. Yeah. And I know you're a Woody Allen fan. She used to be his school teacher, that actress. Oh, from Annie Hall? No, it was like when he was a kid, like in real oh, life. Oh, like his actual school yeah, teacher? Yeah, oh, like shit. in real life. That's funny. Yeah. I thought you'd appreciate that. 
I appreciate it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm a Woody Allen fan. <laughs> and whatever connections you can make with him and Bassan, yeah, I don't we'll, know. He'll, so be brought up, he'll be brought up on that episode. Copy that. All right. <laughs> it leads us into Matilda having to ring the doorbell and mm-hmm. hopefully let Leon into her life. Just that scene right there. You know, I'm watching the movie the first time and I didn't know who Natalie Portman was. But man, when that scene kicks in, I was like, oh shit, this girl can act. Well, I read that she had to get mint oil sprayed in her eyes so she yeah, could Yeah, was, was it for that scene particularly? Yeah, when she's oh, knocking on the door. She said the first time that the mint spray was put in her eye that was so painful she never let them do it again and she was able to cry on cue. oh funny that shit must burn god yeah, yeah. Um, well funny you mentioned that because i brought some mint oil with me I <laughs> <laughs> if you give a wrong answer <laughs> <laughs> how come it says mace on the side of that can <laughs> hey so we were talking about violence <laughs> <laughs> Macy. <laughs> Merci for the Macy. But so we were just talking about violence and comedy. I like how the second that he lets Matilda in the door and he's looking through the eyepiece and he's kind of like shifting his gun left and right based on where the bad guy, yeah, the yeah. toothpick guy, where his head. Well, he's going. actually looking through the lock piece. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That door's not even locked. Oh, like is that the, what that is? The lock piece? I yeah. thought it was like an eyepiece or something. Well, no. The, if you look at it, the center of the door is where the eyepiece is like traditionally okay, is. Okay, yeah. But he pulls it from just above where the doorknob is, which is oh. the knob to lock it. I had a, I lived in an apartment with a knock with a lock like that. Oh, that's weird. But yeah, anyways, he's yeah. getting ready to plug that dude in the head. I'll I'll write it to Luke Besson too. <laughs> I'm sure he's taking fan letters. <laughs> Matilda, man, dude, she really hates her family. She's talking to Leon about her freshly mm-hmm. murdered sister, and she says she wanted to lose weight anyways. I bet she never looked so good. Man, that is a girl Brutal. who's had a rough life, man. Yeah. That is so, some venomous dialogue. I think, though, maybe you can appreciate the, the venom that comes specifically from a child. Like yeah, they're cap- or, yeah. How they're capable of hurting feelings. Yeah. You're yeah. still trying to develop what you're allowed oh and not God. allowed to say. That's, man, that's lashing out. Brutal. Her family was just murdered five minutes prior and using a pig puppet, Leon asks, how are you doing today? Matilda says, I've seen better days. And that's when he realizes that maybe that's a badly timed question. Matilda tells Leon he has a cute name. After spitting up on himself, he exits the room to get more milk and leaves a 12-year-old girl next to a trunk of guns, which, of course, she immediately opens up. Sure. Like, holy crap. So, wait, how old is she in this movie? She's 12. Okay. Yeah. I thought she was like 11. I guess there was really no difference. I don't know. Under 18 is under 18. So. No, well, there's, yeah. that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so Matilda spends the night. Leon is originally so detached. And that scene where he just drops off a blanket, he doesn't even unfold it. He just yeah. leaves this like, no, folded he, you can blanket see, on top he, of her. Like, he goes to unfold it, but he's going to unfold it onto her head. Yeah. And he's like, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, he's so detached. I love it. And then in the very next scene, as soon as she falls asleep, he goes over to kill her and puts mm-hmm. a gun to her head. I'm like, oh, my god. See, gosh, that man. now that scene's important because that is not childlike. That's the kind of the most violent we see Leon in this movie. It's essentially well, like his rule is no women, no kids. Well, unless he, they're, he, he almost you know, broke it living in I his mean, apartment. Who knows how close he's ever come to, to breaking that rule mm-hmm. or why he has it to begin with. That scene is in both cuts of the movie. Yeah. And, and this whole movie is dark and we're about to go into a lot of that. Sure. But basically starting their relationship off the first night. He almost with a gun to her head. Mm-hmm. You remember to put the silencer on. So the next morning, Matilda begs Leon to train her as a hitman. Leon says, you're just a little girl, so don't take it badly, but I don't think you could do it. And then she grabs one of his guns, sticks it out the window in a hugely populated city. Bam, 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 bam. She becomes an active shooter to prove to Leon that she can become a hitman. Terrifying. Yeah. Again, (laughs) this is... 
a damaged child for sure. This, of course, causes them to move and check into a new hotel. Leon is feverishly checking all the exits and locks, and Matilda's big contribution to the check-in process is checking in under a name of a classmate she hates and wants to set She'll up. She'll take the heat. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, it's revealed they had checked in under the name of MacGuffin, yes. which you and I both know is an object or device in a movie or a book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot coined by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, I didn't know he coined it. Yeah, oh, supposedly. Leon gets the sniper from Tony for training. There's a little dialogue in there before they take off for the training where Tony is putting a lot of pressure on him not to grow up or do any kind of changing. He's talking about routines. Tony mentions how I never leave the restaurant. You know, I stay here to go from here to there. And Mm -hmm. he's never leaving the restaurant. He's never exploring. He also even says to Leon, change ain't good, Leon. He doesn't want Leon, which is basically his cash cow. You know he's taking advantage of Leon, you know, because he can't read. And I think that's definitely our impression of him. But we Mm -hmm. do find out Tony's a good guy. He's a good guy, but I want to He's talk about this He's as good as a, mob, like a mobster can be, I guess. Yeah, I want to talk about that later. Let's come back. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know if I fully trust him. We'll see. We start the training program with Matilda. They start off with the governor jogging scene. Is that the governor? Or government official. I, he, he's, I think it's he's supposed to look like Bill Clinton. Oh. Politician. He's credited as important jogger. Okay, politician. Yeah. Definitely politician. Someone with secret service, okay. you know, yeah, for yeah, sure. Politician. Hey, so I got a question, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I felt like Bassan was always trying to subtly add in these sexual innuendos where he could so it wouldn't be nothing too controversial. You know, this is her first time losing virginity as a cleaner, basically. Okay. You know, and he's given her these cues, try to feel his next movement, take a deep breath, hold it. Mm. If you're understanding that Bassan is trying to skirt around certain very specific pieces of dialogue, yeah, that right. would be kind of a way to do that. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it's that. It's subliminal scene. in a way. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think it's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Bassan or not, this movie has those implications mm-hmm. anyway. So if you're going to explore it, to do it subliminally the way that they do it, like you said, losing her virginity as a cleaner, mm-hmm. I think is fair game. I mean, nothing happens in the movie. As much as we're even you and I are skirting around certain topics, sure, even in sure. this discussion. It's squeaky And clean. we're not even part of it. Even this cut um, now is, is pretty clean. Yeah, it's, yeah, nothing happens. No. So we're good. It makes you feel dirty, though, which is cheap. <laughs> yeah, you've been talking about it. Yeah. All right, so politicians jogging in easy-to-target Ronald McDonald running suits. Is Ronald that McDonald, a, yeah. yeah. I don't think that idea would be passing today. And then immediately right after that sequence, Matilda says, can we try with real bullets? Right. Did she mean again with another politician? Because holy shit. shit. I mean, whoever <laughs> she meant. This immediately goes into Bjork's Venus as a boy. I'm a huge Bjork fan. Do you like Bjork? I know enough to know that was Bjork, but I don't. Copy listen. that. The lyrics start off with, his wicked sense of humor suggests exciting sex. His fingers, they focus on her and touches. He's Venus as a boy. And it only gets more erotic from there. Interesting. According to Bjork, the song is about a boy who saw everything from a beauty point of view and not superficial beauty, but the beauty of brushing teeth and the beauty of waking up in the morning in the right beat and the beauty of having a conversation with a person. It's interesting because that layers over into the next sequence, which is... The beauty of brushing teeth? Yeah, just like a normal life with somebody and and I guess like complete comfort. And Matilda has only known a drug dealing, sex worker type household of chaos. And now she is in this very regimented, she's starting to fall in love with Leon. That whole sequence is played over with the Bjork song as she's doing all the chores and getting used to a normal life. Okay. Well done, Bjork. (laughs) Next scene, the charades game. First song that she sings is Like a Virgin. Mm-hmm. See, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and then Mar- right into Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So Matilda tells Leon she loves him and he leaves for a cleaner job. Matilda gets bored and decides to visit her old apartment, but not before telling the front desk clerk that she and Leon are lovers. Like some kind of twisted mic drop. You said that that scene was not in I the- I don't remember that scene okay. in the original. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Okay. And that was, that was a little awkward to watch, I'm sure. She grabs a few things, including the drug money her dad was making on the skimmed cocaine. Mm-hmm. That's when the internal affairs enter with Norman Stansfield. Did you want to back up and talk about your better half's theory on Matilda yeah, and, sure. and the cocaine so business? So she, she, when she had first seen that, uh, first seen the movie, she, it, it, it occurred to her maybe Matilda is the one cutting the dope. Okay. And, and that, you know, we, we kind of later learned how messed up she really is. Mm-hmm. Is she some drug kingpin or is she using it herself? There's a line in there where the mom says, or someone who sits around doing nothing all day, can you move a little ass? I'm sure the parents just have her doing whatever they want her doing as far as chores and whatever needs to get done to make money around the house. Definitely. But I'm glad I brought it up because you told me what you think about uh, the Luc Besson crossover. So my theory is the LMN theory. If you haven't, I always suggest to anyone to go out and see La Femme Nikita. But- When we meet Nikita in the beginning of the movie, she's this strung out, drug addicted, young adult who has probably only known a life of crime. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if Leon had not met Matilda, I think Matilda would have turned out to be just like Nikita for sure. That would be the life spiral that she was headed towards. I I subscribe completely. I think that's a great theory. If L hadn't met M, she would have been N. That's the theory. Interesting. So there you go. Oh, so we're in the scene here where Stansfield is answering questions with internal affairs. He blows off an investigation into why an entire family was blown away with the line, <laughs> I haven't got time for this Mickey Mouse bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then exits the building and steals the basketball from the kids, screaming at them, kids should be stay in school. What a dick. Right. <laughs> we did learn, though, from some exposition where his uh, office is. Yes, which, because so. she was in there getting mm-hmm. the money and a bunny rabbit in a backpack. And that's how she knows where he works at. Um, I think after that, there's a deleted scene of Matilda trying to commit suicide, Russian roulette style. Yes. You said you hadn't seen that? No, that's a, that's definitely a new scene. Okay, man, super And not just dark. Russian roulette, because Russian roulette's like one chamber out of right, six. She right. does three out of six. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really... And it gets close, too. I mean, that gun goes off. Totally. Yeah, man, that's a dark scene. This yeah, I think it's important, dark. though. I think it's a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows the trauma. It shows that she just wants him. Mm-hmm. She says, I think the line leading into the Russian roulette suicide is, I want love or death. Mm-hmm. That's it. Powerful for a, a 12-year-old. Yeah, so we've and already had also, a couple guns pointed at this 12-year-old girl's face. Totally. And, and it slapped. also shows that there is something there from Leon, too. Yes. Because he, she calls he ends bluff. up. Well, he knows that the gun's going to go off. Yeah, that's true because he he's he, he's the professional. Right, he, can he heard hear the bullet in the chamber. Does it drive you crazy whenever someone points a gun at somebody in any action movie? You hear the click as if guns point. Well, gun, guns being pointed are clicking. Movies do that for half the time. These people, these professionals, would already have the the gun cocked. It's like when you're watching in these car chase sequences, and there's this imaginary sixth and seventh gear yeah, that right. they have to take a close up of. I it's, always say, it's tell, recocking the gun. See, the thing is, now I'm going to sound like an asshole because I'll <laughs> defend the uh, gear shift. Is that <laughs> off camera we don't see them decelerating? Okay. <laughs> when they're but doing sure like hairpin cool. turns we go or faster and faster. Yeah. And she keeps shifting gifts up. Why can't I talk? Keep shifting gears up. Pixel. <laughs> man, I swear. <laughs> What's wrong with me, man? Good Lord. So this goes into a huge deleted training sequence. We do target practice on a drug dealer. You said that's completely new, right? Yeah. Okay. And that's a little bit humorous. I mean, it's yeah. sort of eye rolling the way he's like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys doing? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Whether he's telling her where to aim and... Mm-hmm. 
that was all right. The Russian roulette scene, I think, was the best scene of all the ones I haven't oh, okay, seen. Gotcha. Yeah, it's super powerful, and it connects the two, whether they want to be connected or not, but it definitely connects yeah. the two yeah. with some kind of glue. And the next couple of things we're going to be going over are probably a lot more deleted scenes because we're starting to get into the bulk of the extra stuff. Right. And I'll keep asking you throughout, but just let me know if you feel there's any sequences that you felt like did more shifting for the storytelling. Well, as far as the storytelling goes, maybe not, but I did like yeah. the uh, montage of the chain clipping. Copy that. And the gum over the peephole. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes that I think were taken out for pacing because I don't see why some of the unless American audiences had well, issues with you when know, you're watching and- when you're watching the original cut I guess mm-hmm. not the well, one not the extended cut when he first takes off his jacket and mm-hmm. he, you see how like strapped he is yeah the camera sort of tilts down and you see the bolt cutters in like right. the sleeve Without the context of that montage, you never learn that those are bolt cutters. You just wonder why does he have two like they look like rods or something. There's a couple more things we're going to connect. And actually, when we get to that scene to discuss it, there's a big thing in there that I want to talk about as far as connecting. Another thing is a callback later on in the movie. We love a good callback. Yeah, we do. This leads into another deleted scene, the celebration sequence after the drug dealer. They're at a lovely restaurant. Matilda gets drunk and asks for a kiss from Leon and even forces herself on him a bit. Mm -hmm. Completely different. She knows what she's doing in the sense that how inappropriate it is. Mm -hmm. And this is a public place and you can't kill me here. And it's kind of her way of pointing the gun at him a little bit. Right. I fully admit that this movie is not realistic and I'm okay with it. A lot of the movie being based in reality, you know, there is gravity on this planet. Bullets are going to kill people, but also at the same time and fast forwarding, a SWAT team would never shoot a grenade into an apartment building that still has possibly wounded officers in there. Exactly. These are unrealistic claims that Hassan is going to make on us as an audience. But at the same time, I accept this world because it's super fun and entertaining. But when you have a 12 year old without an ID who looks nothing like a fucking 21 year old Mm -hmm. at all in a fancy restaurant drinking champagne and getting drunk we can talk about the controversy of that scene or we can talk about how that scene changes this movie but we're also have to accept that we're in let Besson's spilled out here's a callback for you is it's kind of the new york city of taxi driver where the 12 year olds are up to no good anywhere okay (laughs) you know they're out if they're in a nice restaurant they're drinking champagne and there's both of them have 12 year old girls Mm -hmm. that have lived rough lives and are trying to be rescued by older men. Definitely. Sometimes the right Definitely. way, sometimes it's a, the wrong way. It's a shoot way. first, ask questions later kind yeah. of place. But I mean, just again, this is Bissan. This is the world I'm creating. I think this scene actually adds to the story. and We can talk about that now. But yeah, her 30 second laugh was a little much. Oh, I love that. I thought that was cute. Oh, it's a 12 year old girl. Sorry, she's illegally, but she's laughing. drinking. She's, she's drinking laughing. champagne and she's oh, laughing. Oh, see, I think we took two different things from that. Oh, I thought she like adorable. she was laughing in the way that you would imagine Gary Oldman laughs when he's pointing a gun at you. No, that's I, how I, I felt. I, no, the scenes like that. I was like, this girl is the cutest little girl ever. I, you know? Oh no, yeah, she felt sure. maniacal to me. No, yeah, no, I was, think so. That was a cute way to end that scene. That was great. Oh. I loved it. Open your heart up. A little oh bit. please. <laughs> All right, so they also have a quick discussion in there, backing up a bit. She asks Leon how old he was when he had his first hit, mm-hmm. and he drops a little hint for a later on scene where he says, I was 19, and that's when she starts pounding the champagne to get drunk and laugh cutely. She's like, I beat you, and then she starts celebrating with a bunch of champagne. I like the ending of that scene with her. Laughing, so <laughs> just putting that out there. This leads into yet another deleted training sequence, the entire deadbolt montage. Mm-hmm. All right, and you said you enjoyed that? Absolutely. It adds, it's, it's it adds their partnership, ends 
in a way that connects the two again. Reinforces like not all the same tricks are going to work every time. Correct. Because they just get their heads blown off. Yeah. So I pointed out to you in this one that they break into a bunch of different doors, maybe 10 scuzzy Mm -hmm. dudes. One of them is played quickly, very quickly by the actor Jean Huesenglade. So in the Bassan universe, is this just a simple cameo or is Marco hiding out in America and Victor's cousin Leon is quote unquote, cleaning up loose ends for the French government since he saw the secret photos that Nikita I got to give it to you. That's another good one. That's another good theory. <laughs> Best theories are the ones that can't be denied. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So the big thing I wanted to talk about, this is the introduction of the ring trick. Yeah. So this is your first time seeing this version of the movie. You don't know what the ring trick is until the end of the movie where out of nowhere he fucking says this one liner that makes no sense, right? Well, So he hands yeah. Gary Oldman the ring trick. This is from Matilda. But you don't know what that's from. You don't know it's from this scene that's been deleted. That's Maybe like, that's it's a little like, bit crisper, though. He definitely tells you what the ring trick is in the deleted scene. But in the final scene with Gary Oldman, I don't think there's any mention of the ring trick. You just know it's a trick because you've seen the deleted scenes. Without having seen that scene, you don't know you're missing out on some trick. It's like, okay, it's like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not having the Al Pacino sequence in the beginning of the movie when he brings up the Pharaoh. Everything else, you're not going to get the end punchline. If you don't have a reference that you're supposed to forget throughout the journey of the movie. I find it a little forgivable. I think to me, the bolt cutters is more egregious because he's got the handles of bolt cutters coming out of his jacket. You don't know what the hell those are ever for because the montage is never there to follow up. When the payoff is in the deleted scenes, it's robbing us of something. But when the setup is it, you you don't know that you've seen a payoff without the setup. Yeah, I guess I just, you know, I remember... Watching this version for the first time, he just said the ring trick. Well, no shit. Right. It was a big, oh, that's I think you, what that's from I think type if of you're, moment for yeah. me. I think emotionally. And I had tons of those, dude. <laughs> I think emotionally, you're more concerned of the fact that now he's going to die. Especially if I'm somebody who's watched this movie for the first time, you're, oh, you're, you. you're thinking more about he's sacrificing himself to kill Gary Oldman than what, you know, what might the ring trick have been. Okay. Matilda wants a face-to-face with Stansfield and disguises herself as an Uber Eats delivery person. (laughs) Special delivery for room 4602. Do you notice that both times that Matilda gives the cops the slip to gain entrance, they're hitting on women? Remember Mm. back when she was trying to get into her apartment, Uh there was a dude who had his cop cop hat on the sex worker, but he had his cop hat on top of her head. And he's like, where are you going? Visiting friends in so-and-so apartment. Yeah, go ahead. And he goes back to hitting on the girl. Same thing. This cop was hitting on these two women who are exiting the DEA building. And so that's how she's able to gain entrance. Um, All right. So this brings us to the Stansfield versus Matilda bathroom scene. Every time Gary Oldman delivers these powerhouse speeches, sniffing out the drug dealer dad and in the men's bathroom, Matilda, Eric Sears music just simmers to the rumble, man. And I talked about this earlier, but this scene is straight up horror. Stansfield says, it's always the same thing. It's when you start to become really afraid of death that you learn to appreciate life. Do you like life, sweetheart? And she says, yes, with tears in her eyes. And that's when he follows up with, that's good because I take no pleasure in taking life if it's from a person who doesn't care about it. And then holds a gun to her face. Mm-hmm. Like, man, like this is some, Bad to the bone. some fucked yeah. up dark stuff going on in this damn movie. This is one of my favorite corrupt cop roles ever. It's definitely I mean, like there. this is like bad lieutenant. Yeah. And he's having such a fun time with the role. I love Did it. Did you man. know Benny, the bumbling guy mm-hmm. with the gun? Mm-hmm. He actually uh, was a firefighter. I know. Who, who died in 9-11. I know. Yeah, yeah. I read about that. I didn't know that before. Yeah, for ladder 21, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Tragic. Yeah. The Vin Diesel looking guy. 
Leon reads Matilda's note and races to the DEA building to rescue Matilda, which leads us into the deleted virginity sequence. Matilda comes out in the dress that Leon had bought her, puts makeup on, and asks Leon to be her first. You got any thoughts on that scene? Seemed uh, like that would be if it's your first time watching I guess, that. I mean... I felt like that was probably the most controversial scene out of the entire of the director's ones. cut. Yeah, probably. The Russian roulette one, I think. I think Bassan didn't write the Leon character out of the painted corner the proper way. The excuse that I can't be a lover because I love somebody when I was like 19 years old and she was murdered because of our love. No, you have a 12-year-old girl that's hitting the ex- on you. That's you the need answer. To be a, yeah, yeah, you need to say... Because in the very next scene, she goes, hey, I'm tired of you falling asleep in a chair mm-hmm. with sunglasses and not getting proper night's sleep. If you're not going to have sex with me the first time, then we're at least going to fall asleep in the bed together. Let's at least do that. And he says, I don't think it's a good idea. That's what you should be saying when she's asking you to you know, right. take her virginity, man. Right. Not this lame ass excuse. And that felt like that was, again, coming straight from Bassan's altered reality of the, the way things point. are. He's relying on us to defend Leon yeah. as like this sort of naive... That's Bassan doing that, but you know who does it better and was handed a rough hand of cards is Jean Renault. I think he puts our defenses so far down because of his performance, and I think he was really handed a very tough right, razor's yeah. edge role that he could have not done that very well at. Yeah, very he, easily. Earned his, he earned his paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this takes us to Stansfield coming in and breaking up that kid's birthday party to rough up old Tony, speaking to how fucked up that Sansfield is. He takes these kids captive in the back kitchen and he needs to find out where L&M live. On our way back from getting milk, again, L&M's relationship started with a trip to get milk and it's ending this way. Matilda gets nabbed by a special forces unit who send in a few unlucky souls to retrieve Leon. He makes short work of them and that's what leads to Gary Oldman's everyone mm-hmm. line. This was an improvised line. Bassan didn't like the line readings he had been done before. He goes, just give me like one where you just belt out one. And as a completely over-the-top joke, that's the one he did. And that's the one they recorded. And that's the one Bassan liked. So that's the one who made the film. <laughs> it's and a good one. It's great. Yeah. As far as Gary Oldman's career, do you think that's his, you can't handle the truth line? Probably. Anytime you bring up Gary Oldman, right. everyone brings up that famous line. Yeah. All right. So Leon rescues Matilda. One of the SWAT members has to go up and take a look, and his leader says, do you see anything? And the guy says, yeah, it's the guy. He's here. He's got a gun to my head. When the uh, DEA officer asked Matilda, do you have a special knock so he knows that it's you? Mm-hmm. Matilda gives him the one, two, three, one, two, one, mm-hmm. which is Morse code for die. No, yeah. I didn't know that. So she sets up Leon not only as a warning, oh, there's people here, but kill them. I love that, man. Thanks yeah. for bringing that up. Now that you've seen this longer version that takes more time mm-hmm. with the characters, we're getting ready to go into pretty much the ending of the movie, which is all action from here on. Up until this point, I still stand by this movie being a drama. All the things like the virginity scene, the asking to be her first, even the ring trick sequence where there's a huge explosion that goes off and he has to shield her and basically give her a hug while mm-hmm. this explosion envelops around them. And just all these other scenes where they're becoming a teammate better and, and emotionally connecting themselves. Do you feel like this version did a better job of letting you spend more time yeah, with them? definitely. Okay, because we're getting ready to talk about their end of their relationship, <laughs> and I want to see how it affects you. I think that the action and the drama have to coexist together. The movie doesn't have enough of each to only rely on one or the other. And it does a great job, I think, of going back and forth. I think it does good. Okay. 
Me too. Yeah. Leon unleashes hell on the SWAT team, which sets off the sprinklers. The SWAT team finally gets the sprinkler shirt off. Okay, let's get this fucking asshole out of there. And then, boom, Eric Sierra's music crashes in. Leon starts building up the supports at the door and grabs the fireman's axe to make a passage for Matilda. We talked on the last one because this sequence very much mirrors the kitchen sequence from Nikita. You have a female escaping out a tunnel that leads directly down. Mm-hmm. And that's how Matilda gets out. And that's how Nikita gets out. And the plant. Uh, and the plant. I wanted to discuss the difference in rocket launchers. So we had a small issue with last time with Nikita, the guy going the restaurant, to the restaurant with the, with, with the rocket in his dinner jacket. What do you think of this rocket I launcher sequence? I think it's silly in the same way that you think it's silly that they're shooting rockets into a place that there's officers down. Right. There's probably tenants living two, you know, yeah. <laughs> one layer of drywall yeah. away. Yeah, for sure. It's um, irresponsible policing, to be honest. But it sure looks cool, though. <laughs> the gun that was used is a French gun called a Maz AA-52. It's a belt-fed gun typically used on the top of military trucks or helicopters. Obviously, way overkill for an apartment building. Yeah. The rifle grenade is, in fact, just a parachute flare and does not actually fire from a Maz AA-52. On its side, there's a picture of an umbrella slash parachute with the letters I-L-U-M, which are short for illumination, a.k.a. a parachute flare. Oh my God. The close-up they take of the SWAT team fitting it onto the end of the rifle, you can see it actually being fastened onto one of the bipod legs. So it's actually not being fired off the tip of the gun. I think personally, Bassan probably should have had one of the set people spray paint it all one color and maybe with Sharpie put grenade or something would have right. been better than taking a close up of the official well, uh, illumination. To be, fair, to be fair, not everyone dives as deep as you do. So, <laughs> it's, I think right, it's right if, there. If I've suspended belief enough, I can suspend belief and Copy know that, that like this gun is firing a, like a rocket. Gotcha. Okay. The guy whose chain they didn't break, who just starts firing from his, inside oh, yeah. his own apartment into yeah. the hallway. Yeah. Like these people pay rent. Right. They, like, they, <laughs> you got to live there, man. If right. you live. Maybe they don't have a credit a card on file because it's too early but that's funny yeah. this sequence has a signature of Bassan where he takes POVs of missiles being launched yeah. so that was always kind of cool it's a cool shot yeah it's a cool yeah. shot when he takes the POV of a bullet or a rocket this takes us pretty much to the end. This is Leona Matilda's goodbye. This is probably a realistic figure, but I've probably seen this movie 50 times. Mm-hmm. One fifth of the time I've cried at, it's the, at the goodbye. It is. And especially spending more time with them, like we just got done doing. I really get choked up. Leon promises Matilda a better life together. All she's known is pain. She's crying because she knows it's the end of the relationship. And Leon is all she's ever known of love. I just find that whole sequence mm-hmm. devastating. He and does say he loves her, me. though, too. She wins the love. And I'm going to get a sidetracked a little bit because I yeah. wanted to bring this up on sure. know, on, on the record. Mm-hmm. This is a very touching ending. I don't think it compares to the Blade Runner getting lost like tears in the rain speech. Okay. But I wanted to ask you, I think this is your favorite movie and more so than Blade Runner. All right. How, do, how would you sell, respond? Sell me on that or do you want me to defend? I, well, I mean, I, the only way I can sell you is because I've heard you speak about both movies mm-hmm. and maybe it's the virtue of you love Blade Runner so much that a lot of it goes without saying. Mm-hmm. But the way you talk to me about this movie and the way that you are so adamantly going to call him Leon, <laughs> I, think it, I think that this movie definitely holds a significant, if not more, but equal weight than Blade Runner. Okay. Does. Well, hey, man, um, I, I kind of made a promise to myself for... 2022 that i'm never going to say the br title ever again because i said it so many times in 2021 oh, for the podcast that i'll tell you I'm nobody worried. i don't know anyone who likes it as much as you do. yeah and i gotta cut that shit out I, well it's I hilarious this, i can't make this the official blade runner podcast I, so. see then i think maybe that the door in blade runner is closing and <laughs> no, leon door no. is opening no I, so i have talked very passionately now 
for a second podcast, a lot about Leon. Yes, I'm very much in love with this film. Where I'm at on movies right now, I like a good challenge. There's movies that I can take new experiences from and really see a deeper meaning every time I watch it. So it's an ever-evolving story that speaks to me based on where I'm at in my life and age at that time. I think that's what I'm looking for more in cinema. I want art to tell me something or give me a different perspective. I'm not so sure I get that with Leon. I feel like I've kind of cracked the code, but I would definitely say that this is the chicken soup of movies for me. It's definitely a comfort food. I have always been in love with this movie. And yes, for a kid who really wasn't ever that cool, for the few people I could show off to back when I owned the Laserdisc that was so damn rare... It's always been a little bit of a, I can hear a, of an unlocking of maybe some coolness or giving me a little bit of street cred, I guess, back in the early uh, <laughs> I won't go that movie far. days, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've always been in love with this. I always got super excited to show this version off to people. That's not stopped. I've always been able to talk to people, and, and it's almost like they're saying like a curse word to me when they say the professional. I immediately like to sound like some kind of pompous asshole and stop them and be like, you mean Leon? And that always opens up a conversation mm-hmm. with these people. People where I get to kind of explain my love for this movie. So I can see where you get that perspective, but um, I don't know. I can't not deny that I love this movie. I will also say this. A lot of action movies won't do a backdrop of such a controversial subject. Right. That would be like Michael Bay doing an abortion film. You know what I, I mean? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think a couple of his movies are. But anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I would say that that's, that's a chocolate and peanut butter that don't often get mixed. A lot of my early 20s and late teens were me discovering French directors mm-hmm. and a lot of it had to do with Bisson. One of the first questions you asked me when I when I came here today was, how does the viewing of this movie affect me as a father? If you, and, I, didn't want, I didn't know if you want me to put you on the mic about oh, that. Oh, no, I don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Ben's expecting. I'm you. expecting. So, Very soon. <laughs> and I think I'm hiding behind that answer. Okay. Because, one, I'm having a boy. And gotcha. I don't see Matilda as that. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned you have a daughter of that same age. Yeah. And I only imagine it's very easy to see a different paradigm of sorts. I'm torn um, because I'm overprotective of any kind of abuse towards children. And that definitely includes any kind of grooming is a very touchy subject with me. When I watch movies, I get very emotionally attached to whenever I see any kind of abuse. I can't watch the movie Precious. There's no fucking mm. way I can watch the movie again. I barely made it through the one. I don't know if you saw it, but there's some abuse of children going on in that movie that I all watch. Watch is enough. Yeah. yeah, I'm good. It's a great movie. It's a fantastic sure. movie, but that's the stuff I can't watch. But anyways, yeah, as a father of a 10-year-old and sometimes as a 12-year-old, it's a little rough. But at the same time, this movie was instrumental to me falling in love with movies. There's been some, I want to see either directors or movies or touch points in my life that have really helped me guide my way to loving movies so much. And Bessan is a huge part of that. For right or for wrong, he has steered me in the right direction. I think that's part of the magic is it's not just Luc Besson stream of consciousness. You know, there's a lot of contributors to this movie. Oh, that, sure. Like you said, the, Luc Besson didn't do the score. He doesn't do the acting. Oh, yeah. And the score has been with me for a long time. Sarah's right. music has been with me for a long time. Oldman's been, at the time, he was my favorite actor. I think this movie isn't linked with him forever. You yeah. know what I mean? It, you and, know, and it's and a part of his filmography. Day, Natalie Portman's all. my favorite actor now. Exactly. You know, to watch Leon for me, as far as favorite actors, is a passing of the baton. Kind of cool right. in that way. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for the sidetrack. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Leon survives the grenade launcher, but the apartment is nothing but wasteland and smoke. He performs the old switcheroo with a SWAT team member and takes his uniform, which includes the gas mask. 
which enables him to gain access to the tunnel that leads him to freedom. Stansfield sneaks up behind him, I'm assuming his hearing is damaged from the apartment exploding, and shoots him in the back. A bright white light appears and the POV camera turns sideways and falls to the ground. I think that's what's missing from The Sopranos that makes people think that Tony, <laughs> Tony Soprano is killed in the end. But, uh, I, you know, I thought it was well conclusion. done. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's conclusion. Is the bright white light supposed to signify anything? Well, other I'd like to bring that up right now, Now you bring it up. If you remember, when Leona Matilda's life when actually she, begins... She opens the door. It's the door being opened, and yeah. that's Leon letting an actual life into his Interesting. life. And so that scene has a bright white light. And then Leon is heading towards the end of a tunnel and doorway. a bright white light ends their relationship because he's dying and he falls over. And really the only time he has left is based on revenge for mm-hmm. Stansfield. So basically his life is over once he gets shot in the back like that. And I That's thought it was typically interesting. how what yeah. happens when you get shot in the <laughs> <Yeah>. back. <laughs> uh, Stansfield and Leon meet face to face for the ring trick. Just tying it back to that sequence that was deleted from before. Dude, that explosion was crazy. Yeah. Um, Stansfield dies, leaving Matilda the only survivor and frees her up to live her life over again. Matilda goes and visits Tony about an allowance. Do we trust Tony to give her an allowance? You can see for him it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. She's homeless and has nobody. And he gives her a hundred bucks. Which is a fucking hundred dollars. Well, in 1994, that's a lot of money. For a homeless 12-year-old? Well, he tells her, come back and we'll give you more. And he's not going to give her the job that okay. she wants. But okay, and that's what, that's the how, how much Adjusting how, for inflation? How much is Leon making a hit again? He's like five grand a hit, right? Five grand a hit, yeah. Okay. How many people do you think this guy's taking? If we just do a nice round number, 100. Okay. $500,000. She's entitled to half a mil. And she's right. getting $100. But what's when, more responsible? When she's at her giving, lowest? What's more responsible? Giving a child a half a million dollars in cash or giving her 100 bucks at a time? She's sitting there with gunpowder soot and a halfly burnt stuff. He could have offered her a shower. She can handle her shit. She's I, fine. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I trust Tony. I don't trust Tony either. I don't expect him to hand her over half a million in cash. He's probably aware that she's the one who taught him how to read. So she knows what she's doing. No, of course. What do you think would happen if Leon walked into Tony's shop and said, hey, I want my half a million in cash? I think Tony's been taking advantage of him and probably never expected Leon to ever come and collect. That's what I think. I, I agree. That's what I but think. I, don't I think, think he, he thought Leon was going to get bumped on at least one of those. Ops. I don't think the screws were ever really put to him, though. If Tony had to make a decision one way or another, am I going to pay this guy or am I going to off him because he wants his money? I don't know what he would do. I'm not convinced either way that he would screw Leon that way. He's sitting there with bruises on his face like uh, no one knocks off old Tony. I'm like, bro, you just got Oldman's character just came in like the wind. Right. I don't know. All right. Matilda enrolls back in school and tells the teacher everything that just happened throughout the film. Yeah. Because the teacher says, I need you to start telling the truth. You think that's a little self-aware dialogue right there? It's a little Maybe something like Bassan saying, hey, I know we just told you a super wild story, but the joke of that scene is much like the rest of the movie. We hope you enjoyed it. I think it's like the music stopping when Oldman snaps his fingers. Right. There's a little self-awareness going on in the movie. Matilda digs a hole and places Leon's plant in the ground and ends the movie saying, I think we'll be okay here, Leon. As Sting's shape of my heart kicks in, as the camera cranes over Matilda and trees and says goodbye to the city of New York. End credits. Yeah. Do you think she named the plant Leon? <clears throat> yeah, probably. So I was going to ask you, what do you think about the plant as like the third character? The plant 
is like him. It's easy. It's low maintenance. It's always happy. He no says it's no roots. So he says, Matilda says, you really want to see something grow like love. You should be watering me. And then they go into the spray thing. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, it is a good representation of where they started versus where they ended yeah. in the movie. The plant that she puts in the ground is called an Aglia Nema better known as a Chinese evergreen. It is strictly an indoor plant and will not survive outdoors in direct oh, sunlight. So unless that plant is wearing the famous circular sunglasses, Leon's incarnation as a plant is going to be short-lived. My girlfriend, the first thing she said is like, that's a fake plant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a Chinese evergreen. Hey, so I was just watching Hot Fuzz the other day with my family and I noticed that Simon Pegg's character, Nick Angel, is carrying around a plant from scene to scene to scene. And I thought it was kind of cool that Leon's character has become so iconic that it's being parodied right. respectfully in movies. That's that another Edgar homage. Wright movie, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's seen that movie a thousand times. There you go. The it, Edgar Wright thing is the homage. There you go. Yeah. In the original script, there was a scene in which Leon walks in on Matilda taking a shower and hands her a towel to cover up. She refuses the towel and walks out naked, not caring. Portman's parents had issues with that scene. Uh, understandably. Yeah. There was a sex scene between Leon and Matilda in the original script. Again, Portman's parents had issues with that one as well. Um, they had a big issue with Matilda's character smoking. So she's just usually holding it. You don't ever see her exhale. Mm. And then Portman's parents were insistent on halfway through the movie that her character has to quit smoking. So, okay. Yeah. She beat out something like 2,500 yeah. other yeah. actresses. And she, here's another thing. We never talked about this. Most of this movie was shot in France. So Portman had to I heard that too. France. Yeah. It's the, only the exterior it's like, it's, shots. The, yeah. the interior shots are Paris. The exterior yeah. is New York. So like all the right. apartments, all that stuff, that's all France. Um, so do you know about the original ending of this movie? I don't think so. Okay. Original script had Matilda pulling the ring trick with the best full grenades and blowing everybody up. Matilda was going to do that. Mm. And Leon dies too or no? Yeah. I think Leon gets shot in the back and Matilda Does blows everybody trick. up in the building including stands i'd be okay with that man that's dark sure it's a dark world they're living in we already saw the russian roulette 12 year old girl suicide sequence yeah and if she ended going out the way of like christian slater and heathers it would have been tough if leon sees her do the ring trick and has to watch her die too like that it would be instantaneous hadn't killed him and he still saw that that would have been dark that's some romeo and julia shit right there Mm. All right, uh, the Gamont Film Company is a French film studio founded by the engineer turned inventor Leon Gamont in 1895. It is the first and oldest film company in the world. Bassan wrote a sequel for Leon called Matilda, but ended up leaving Gamont, which upset the company. They have held the rights to Leon and Matilda characters close to the chest and not allowed Bassan to make the sequel. Mm. In 2011, director Olivier Megaton said that his movie Colombiana, starring Zoe Saldana, which was also written by Bassan, used the Matilda script with a few tweaks i wonder if matilda comes back and kills tony in the, the <laughs> script that never was are you familiar with the band alt j i know the name okay they have a song called matilda the chorus repeats this is from matilda spelled incorrectly again and the other line says put the grenade pin in your hand so you can understand who's boss they later released a song called leon that has the lyrics correlating to the plot of leon Shout out to my boys, Ty and Josh, who got me listening to Alt J this past month. Interesting. Yeah. So were you, is that what you were going to say about, because you had mentioned Matilda was spelled incorrectly. You had something to yeah. say about that. Some of them spelled it with math. Some of them spelled with Matt. It's what weird. I understand, at least from the, the name Natalie, you can spell it with or without an H. Mm. And it's with the H is distinctly the French way to say Interesting. it. Interesting. And I wonder if <clears throat> Matilda's the same thing. 
All right, let's go over a couple Gary Oldman connections. In the 1986 film Sid and Nancy, directed by Alex Cox, Gary Oldman plays Sex Pistols bassist Sid Vicious. In that film, and possibly in real life, Sid Vicious kills his girlfriend, Nancy Spungen, on October 12, 1978, with a single knife wound to the abdomen in the bathroom of their hotel in the famous Chelsea Hotel in New York City. The Chelsea Hotel, with its gorgeous and iconic architecture, is the location of Leona Matilda's apartments in the beginning of the film. Ben, are you familiar with the Chelsea Hotel and its history? <laughs> no, not, I, I was not, and I'm not. Super famous hotel. Okay. Like everybody. It sounds like infamous. Infamous. Okay. Infamous hotel. Anybody who's done something cool has either stayed or lived there. Arthur C. Clarke wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey oh, there. I didn't know that. Andy Warhol shot the movie The Chelsea Girls. Okay. Bob Dylan has written some of his most famous songs there. So a lot of New York artists yeah. are. And again, Sid Vicious. Right. So the apartment complex that they're living in with a beautiful stairwell. That's like a historic hotel. Yeah. Essentially. It's closed right now. It's been closed, but, um, yeah, and all the yeah. murders probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got new ownership and they've been closed for a couple okay. of years. It, it does need to open up again. All right. We talked about this earlier about Willie one blood and how he was the inspiration for Drexel, Drexel Spivey into romance. Willie one blood is famous for his song whiny whiny, which is the reggae song in the film dumb and dumber. Oh, funny. You might have this on your list. The immortal beloved. So throughout the film, Stansfield makes multiple references to Beethoven. You don't like Beethoven. Gary Oldman's very next movie, which also came out in 1994, was Immortal Beloved, in which he plays Ludwig van Beethoven. Also, Gary Oldman plays piano in real life. Interesting. In the film, Matilda dresses like Marilyn Monroe and sings Happy Birthday, Mr. President to mm-hmm. Leon making him the John F. Kennedy of that scene. Portman had never seen Marilyn Monroe before and was actually doing her impression of Mike Myers from Wayne's World, doing the same impression. In 1991, <laughs> in 1991, Oldman played Lee Harvey Oswald in the film JFK, in which he is accused of shooting and killing the president. Oldman is also the person who shoots and kills Leon. A little creepy foreshadowing. Yeah. There. So those are my Gary Oldman connections there. Shit. Ben, is there anything we didn't discuss on this podcast you wanted to bring up? I heard uh, Liv Tyler auditioned. Yeah, she looked too old. Yeah, that's funny. Liv Tyler and Robert De Niro as Leon. Oh, interesting. I can't imagine a universe where that's the movie. Oh, man. I don't know. I could see De Niro playing that. I I wonder how he'd play it, though. I think Renault, his approach was the only way he could go. Because you look at De Niro and Cape Fear and how creepy he is Mm -hmm. with an underage Juliet Lewis. I don't know if people soften to De Niro as much as like if you're an American audience and you don't know who this cute cuddly Moroccan slash Frenchman right. is with his pants yanked up too high and his and socks exposed and yeah. dude he can come off like a teddy bear and yeah. he's very disarming I wish people could wipe a slate clean when watching an actor in a new movie but you can't watch a movie like Raging Bull where he's abusive to women and punching prison walls right. and then go to how he is in unless he has just unreal tremendous range range. Niro I don't know does, if, but I don't know if it's that. Yeah, I, I think, think it's just better off to get the guy that people no one knew you can who build Renault a new was. rapport with. Yeah. You know what Leon's full name is? It's like Montana or yeah. something. What would you double feature this with? I'm trying to think of any other movie where someone reluctantly takes somebody under their wing and I have one then. Let me hear what you think okay. and maybe well, I'll okay. Let me just officially say that the answer is only Nikita. Yeah. You have to I'm watch trying Nikita. Not, I'm not picking that movie, though. So. Right, because it's the obvious choice, but yeah. I want to be very clear on the record. That's not your answer, is it? It's officially their answer, but I have. I knew you were going to do that. I, I knew, knew you were going to think that was a cop-out. I, I knew. You That's why something. I fucking said it during the potty break. I, I was need like, you're you gonna to give me something else. All right. I'm going to suggest, and it's a comedy. It's called The Hunt for the Wilder People. 
Okay. And it takes a little bit different direction. But if I ever double featured, I don't need it to be a whole full night of the same theme. So it doesn't have to be action and drama. Sure, sure. sure. You've seen Hunt for the Wood of People, right? I haven't. Okay. But tell me why they're similar. Okay. Why would Taika you Waititi. Featured? Okay. So right off the bat. Oh, well, you know what? You've told me about this movie. You got to see this movie, man. So tell me why you think it makes a good Well, movie. it's Sam Neill and he ends up having to take the kid from Deadpool 2 under his wing. And it is the reluctant shepherd and it's a great movie and I absolutely can't recommend it enough. I fucking love the movie and I think it would be a good pair up and with enough of a different pacing. I think it's a little bit of the white, a little bit of the red wine, I guess. A nice sampling for a double feature. Yeah. yeah. Reluctant shepherd. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That's yeah. archetype. There you go. I'm drawing a fucking blank. I can't think of anything like that now. The answer is Nikita anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay. All right, dude. I discovered Luc Besson's art at a very influential time in my life, and he has made a huge imprint on me. I'm not sure he's made good on that promise since Leon, but that's a discussion for another time. For a revenge film involving a hitman and his assistant is an unlikely background to tell a reverse Harold and Maude story, but for nearly 30 years, it's set a high bar for which I judge all other action movies by. It's okay to slow down and build your characters up to earn my love. And on the flip side... My villains should be so despicable you earn my hate, which a lot of movies don't take the time to do either. As the great poet Pat Benatar once said, love is a battlefield. And in the world of Leon, there can only be one winner. (laughs) And that winner is a 12-year-old badass. Okay, you might have to edit this in. I just thought of a movie that maybe I would think of. Do it, What about like King Kong? Okay. Where King Kong is Which version? Any version. Well, okay, let's go with the original, but go ahead. Okay, King Kong is this sort of childlike monster. And there is and a... there is a woman who he lets his guard down with, he kind of helps defend parent. her, and then it ends up being his undoing. They have to learn to speak their own type of language. Because I mean, right. the reason Leon was able to go rescue Matilda is because he was able to read her note that she left mm-hmm. for him, which is a language they created together. That's right. Like, that's beauty a, kills that's, the beast. Yeah, that's I'm, a great Now I can pairing. sleep tonight. Fantastic. That's way cooler than mine. Man. Damn it. <laughs> hey, man. Thanks well, for the great cut, conversation, man. I want. appreciate it. No, You're I would welcome. never. <laughs> Seriously, thanks for the great conversation. Anytime, bro. All right, man. Yeah. I'll be back. All right. Big thanks to producer Gigi Lage, who handles most of the heavy lifting around here at STD. If you enjoyed the episode, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever podcaster you listen to most Apple, Spotify, Google, or on all of them. Follow our social media on Instagram, Facebook, or our official website, sidetrack.stream. We've been giving away lots of free stuff lately, including movie bundles. Plus, it's a great way to keep up to date with what movies and topics we'll be discussing next. Thank you so much for listening. We love you all. And until next time, stay sick. Stay sick.